PGA Nation. We are back, and we're back with a really fun week. We're coming off Halloween. Um, last week, we had the ultimate of ultimate JV tournaments, but now we at least got some of the big guys showing up to play. Heading down to Mexico. Unfortunately, Spence is under the weather with 102 fever, but will not miss the show for anything. You heard of the Jordan flu game. Spence puts him to shame. Showing up tonight to battle on the draft fast with none other than one of the very special guests that we always have ever had on this show, Scott Holdridge. Scott, thanks for joining us tonight. Joel, you're not wrong about everything you just said. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I have to say, before I pass it over to you, I want to just highlight. I'm pretty sure, like 99% sure, that you are the first guest to come on our show and beat us in the draft. How does that make you feel? Pretty amazing. Like I said, it's 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 already, yeah, it's on my LinkedIn right now. <laughs> and uh, I got a lot of recruiters hitting me up. This is why C is not here. Yeah. Like it just hit. Like, this is why he's not here. So I get it. I get it. But just don't be, don't be bitter. Be better. That's fair. That is, that is, I see he did say that. He said, honestly, Scott beat us last time. I can't show face again. Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna publicize the messages between us now, but it's a lot of not pretty. It's not pretty. Spence, how you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Um, You know, Last week was a good week. We had another first round leader on this show. It feels like almost every single week that we get the job done in that market. So uh, yeah. Austin Smotherman, 80 to one, got to the finish line the week before that. Gary Woodland at 95 to one got to the finish line. So if we can just keep hitting these first round leader bets, I think everything else will pay for itself. Yeah, you guys are on an absolute heater. That's been kind of freaky. Yeah. Our first round leader run right now is unprecedented. So yeah. um, I would stick around at the end of the show. The last bit we'll do, the last segment is going to be around first-round leaders. Come check it out. Uh, we've given out and we've hit a first-round I don't remember the last time we didn't hit a first-round leader. That's, how That's we, what we, I was we, trying to wonder. It's- so you're going to want to see that. Uh, but we're still going to do the draft as always and dive into things. Before we do that, this is a pretty unique course in Mexico, right? It's one of those, um, you know, resort courses that does play a little differently than your traditional PGA Tour course. So, Spence, give us the breakdown. What are you looking for here? Yeah, so we're looking at about 7,100 yards. It's going to be past Palm Greens. Um, the best way I would describe it would probably be jungle terrain, swampland that's an exposed oceanside track. Obviously, that's a unique mixture since you get three different textures with that description. But golfers are going to be asked to traverse various hazards, including those of the architectural variety. Uh, There are very few locations on the PGA Tour where distance doesn't hold an advantage over precision, but nearly 65% of all top 10 finishers during the previous nine years have been shorter than average off the tee. It's not to say that distance is a negative, but accuracy players will see a boost. One of the reasons for that has to do with players clubbing down to avoid the plethora of hazards that come into play. While the rough is virtually non-existent, the misses quickly increase scores if you land in the jungle or water with your opening tee shot. We've gotten winning scores of around 20 under par during most iterations of the contest, but I want to emphasize the possibility that this turns ugly for everybody in the field. That point gets enhanced when we dive deeper into the metrics of the track ranking top 10 on tour every season and birdie or better percentage, but also double bogey or worse rate. 
So essentially, players are going to make birdies, but mistakes are going to come into play if players spray balls off the tee. You know, golfers can start to feel as if they are trapped in a tiny bubble once things begin to go wrong. You will hear this about probably about 10 times as frequently as you ever will on the surface of the course. But it's past Palm Greens. I know that's something different that we don't always get. I'm not going to put a big emphasis in my model for that reason. Um, the one thing I will look at is, is so essentially the stip meter is 10 to 11. And for anybody that doesn't know what that means, that's extremely slow. So putting is going to be at like an all time slow rate. And the reason why they do that is they try to keep the surface pristine for the grounds crew. If winds do play a factor, but you know, it's another week without statistical data that we can look at from a historical perspective. I never like these tournaments when we don't have stat tracker present. It ruins the in-tournament betting perspective. I think it's okay from a pre-tournament aspect because at least like I can reformulate or anybody can reformulate thoughts that they have, but it's difficult from an in-tournament perspective because we don't know what somebody's doing or how they're gaining the strokes. It makes it challenging, but I mean, I guess overall the best answer to that would be golfers that can find fairways off the tee and pinpoint their irons from a shorter proximity range. That's probably what you're looking for this week. Mm. Yeah, I would add to that. You also probably want the good golfers because those usually beat the, the worst ones. So if you find the good ones, the better golfers, that will help as well. Um, Scott, anything to add on the course this week? Uh, just a garbage human of an architect. But other than that, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Listen to that back. In all seriousness, it is really important. If you want to find an edge this week, that's how you do it. It's the course breakdown. It's the actual course. That it allows you to target guys when they're in the same price tag and you're having trouble deciphering which one to choose. Like Spencer said, accuracy off the tee is going to be huge this week. Um, success on slow greens. There definitely is a difference in this course than the typical PGA course. With that being said, we do have a draft to get to. Uh, we, we decided that because Scott has gotten a victory on the show, we gave him the honors of drafting first. Uh, it's going to go Scott, Spencer, I'll draft third. And the audience, you'll get the hook on the turn. So you'll get two picks in a row. Start thinking about who you want to nominate. Um, see, it's going to be in the chat. As you're see, see it, thanks for stopping by. He'll probably help you draft as well. But start getting in there early. Get your nominations in as quickly as possible when I am up so we can keep this draft moving. I'm going to pull the draft board up now. As I do so, I'm going to try and get the overlay on. I usually don't do both, so... Forgive me if there's a little bit of a delay. I'm trying to be as quick as I can. Okay. Um, and then with the first pick, Scott, you are on the clock. Okay. First one out the gate, I'm good going uh, starting low and then uh, seeing what you guys do to see what's left up top is kind of my strategy. And as a former winner, um, I, you might want to tail that. But this one's kind of a funky pick. Um, I'm obviously using the DFS ranking wizard by one of my dear friends, Spence. Um, always my first click of the week. And, uh, something player that stuck out to me was, uh, Molinari, um, going to be low owned. He's at 7,400, but something that stuck out was his irons have gotten really a lot better, um, over the last 24 and he's an around the green stud. He always has been. He's not going to wow you, but just an overall solid game. Uh, great on pretty much every aspect of a par four. Um, what else was stuck out? 
yeah, just a good play. Proximity is not going to blow you away, but 150 to 200, he's kind of in the middle of the road. But if he makes a cut, I wouldn't be surprised. He's got the pedigree. He's got the history of Ryder Cup or major champion. And I just kind of figured he's going to get overshadowed by a lot of the new toys in that range. And I figured I'd lead off with that. I like, he certainly has the upside, right? If you want to start with value and, and find your guy, um, does seem like it should be a good course. Right? I think it's a, it's a good, uh, interesting route to take with that one. Uh, Spence, how about you? Who are you looking at here with, uh, with the second pick? Well, I'll give a shameless plug to Jason Day for a second without taking him. So I what? was talking to Nick Brettwish, and one of the, he likes Francesco Molinari this week also. And, one of the things that we were pointing out is any any time that you have a player that's, I mean, we can call Molinari Day, all these players, they're former major championship winners that for whatever reason have maybe hit the wrong side of what we expect from them to do. We know that when they put it together that they have win equity that are above guys in this range. I think Molinari at 7,400 is almost one of those spots where if you want to close your eyes and hope that you're going to get right with it, you know, at 1%, that's what you're looking for. Like in GPP contests, you want the low-owned guys that we know have win equity to them. So I think it's a savvy play. Like, I don't know what to expect from him. He might miss the cut. Exactly. But we we also know that if he puts it together, he has top 10 equity and potentially win potential that can come into play. So uh, I like that play uh, a lot. With my first selection, I guess I'm going to go different than what I was planning to do. And I'm going to go to the very top of the board. And I am going to take Scotty Scheffler at 11,400. And one of the things that I like about Scheffler this week is when you look at his putting, obviously it's been horrible. Like that's going to be something that's going to be a red flag, no matter how you want to look at it. But I think the slower surface is a good thing. Anytime that you get these slow surfaces, it should naturally enhance some of the putting. We know that the surface is also going to be very soft from all the rain that's coming into play. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden somebody like Scheffler starts making putts, but We've seen Hovland go back-to-back winning this tournament because you do have a pristine surface. Like, around the green games are very easy here. Everything is kind of a clean lie. The putting surface is very pristine with the way the ball rolls. So if you're telling me that Scheffler is actually playing really good golf right now and the putter has just gone south for whatever reason, which has been known to happen to all these big top-end guys, give me the guy that I think is, I mean, maybe there's one player that would be a better iron player if you want to get technical with it. But I, I don't think that there's very many players in this field that have more high end upside than Scotty Scheffler has. And I mean, 11,400, if it means that we're going to get a reduction in ownership, which is kind of what I see right now, he seems to be the lowest owned of anybody over 10,000. And by the way, I think Scott has a really good mentality with the way he's taking this too. If you take the top, what is that? The top six guys, 10,000 or above, they're all inside the top six for me. So I don't think you can necessarily go wrong. But if my model is saying that Scotty Scheffler is the best high-end play and he was substantially the best high-end play, I'm going to try to take my advantage there. And, and maybe that ends up being the wrong route with it. But uh, I think you can't really go wrong with any of those guys. I, love, I, mean, yeah, I, I, I really like Scheffler this week too. I mean, like Man. you said, you can't go wrong. I think I'm less scared by that high price tag because after I think after those top six, like Spencer saying, I think it's very close with everyone. Like it's not a big gap. So, you know, there's not going to be a huge difference between the high eights and the mid sevens, in my opinion. So you can balance out your roster after you get your studs. I'm definitely going to be stars. Or stars. I'm going to try and get as much as I can of two of the top guys and then balance it out from there. 
I will say before I make my pick, Scott, your mustache is getting a lot of love in the in the chat right now. I think people are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Sammy. I can tell you've been working hard to, to grow that thing out. So focus, a lot of meditating, a lot of you know awareness, mindset. It's a yeah, it's a commitment. It's actually funny. My pops always had one, and I never I like did it as a joke when I was shaving my beard, and then just like took a picture and sent it to like a band I play with and the lady. And then just shaved it. And then everyone tweeted back like, oh, you should keep it. And I like, already shaved it. But I was like, oh, I thought you guys were just going to roast me for the rest of my life. But now I figure I can share it with the public. So thank you. So now it's a permanent stash. We'll see. We'll okay. see. Okay. It depends on how I do this week. It's more of a rally stash. It's a streak. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Well, unfortunately, if that's the case, it's probably going to be shaved because I'm taking you down. Oh, is that right? Right? That's gonna that's is that correct? Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going with my boy, right? I am a golfer who I am currently in love with his form. Now, I, the first reaction is going to be I'm paying a steep price for him, and I am, and he's probably overpriced, but I love him so much. I just think this course makes sense for him. He's playing so well. I'm going back to my boy, Tom Hoagie. His mm-hmm. current form is just aces. Um, I mean, his top 13 in each of his last five tournaments that he's played in. His history here is not great. But in 2021, he does have a tie for third. So he's shown the ability to have some upside on this course. And I'm just going to ride the, the current form and, and play him here at 9500. Yeah, I, I like Hoagie also. I, I like. I don't necessarily love the early ownership that I see on him. But I don't think he's mispriced. Like, this feels about accurate to where he should be. Yeah, I th- and I think the counter-argument to taking him would be like, by taking him, you're sacrificing getting two in the 10K because it's hard to do all three of those. Uh, but I'm going to make that sacrifice for my team this weekend. We'll see how that gets me. Uh, all right, audience, you are on the clock. Um, and it looks like the first pick is already in with Aaron Wise. And the second pick is also in with Billy Ho. So I think you guys did a good job, first of all, getting your picks in. So audience, great job all around. You're the real MVP. Keep up the speed for sure. In terms of the picks themselves, we'll start with you, Spencer. What do you think? I like both of the picks. So, you know, I've been kind of been, I've been a big advocate that Aaron Wise is going to win a golf tournament soon. And I really wish he would have won it when he was 70 to one in the field and in the $7,000 range and not this golfer that's now 10,218 to one to win. That's the downside to it. But like, I think from a DFS perspective, that's not a negative. Like, if anything, it's going to reduce the ownership a little bit because he is up in that range. So I like that. And then um, Billy Horschel for me, there was a lot of ways that ran my model, but one of the most, I guess, so I'll, I'll leave out who the number one player was for it because I plan on taking that guy. So uh, I ended up running a model that looked at accuracy, putting, and then short iron play. So it took all three of those things together. The number one player in that stat and I didn't include this into like the official ranking of my model. It's something that I have on the back end of it. The number one player in that was substantially the number one player, the number two player, Billy Horschel. And he was substantially the second player. And when you start adding that to the mix, I think that there's more win equity there than meets the eye with Billy Horschel. We know these positional layouts are always where he finds success. So um, like I said, I don't think you can really go wrong with anybody in this $10,000 range. So locking in two of them seems like a pretty good way to start. 
I yeah, agree. I love those picks. That's infuriating, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that definitely like has to at least affect your strategy a little bit because those are the two most. I mean, I guess price wise, I mean, they're the two cheapest ones that would be easy for you to fill in, Scott. Yeah. Were you guys thinking when you saw that come out at Aaron Wise at 10 2, was that sort of, oh, that fits and makes sense? Or were you like, ah, I don't know? What was your initial? I, I think from a price sense, like to me, that's what he feels like he should have been. Like mm-hmm. my model thought he was the fourth best player in this field. So what is that? He's the fifth best in the price. So. It kind of feels accurate there. I was more discouraged with the 18 to one number. I was hoping like selfishly I could find him at 30, 35 to one still. And maybe that was just yeah. dreaming of something that wasn't going to happen. Same, same. Yeah, my initial instinct was that it was too much. But the more I looked at it, the more I was like, you know, in this tournament, I think that actually it, it probably makes sense. Yeah. Well done, audience. You're super annoying. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead with my uh, – I'm going to take another – I think it's a riskier play because the results just haven't been there with him, but I, I just really like this course fit. I think this is a good spot. And I'm just going to hope that, you know, he drained some putts and, and this is a good week for him. I'm going to go ahead and take Aaron Rye. The reason I really like Aaron Rye this week is because he's going to grade out as one of the most accurate guys off the tee. In terms of finding his spots on this course where you know you need to, he's going to be able to do so. So if he can just follow that up and, you know, have a good short week and, and make some putts, I think he can really go get a have a good result this week. And at 7,600, I'm getting a good value, so I feel good about the price here. Yeah, I'll just very quickly throw it out there. And then, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Scotty. Um, no, it's fine. I, I have a head-to-head bet of Aaron Rye minus 110 over Robbie Shelton this week. So Ooh. I kind of like the mentality that you're going with there, Joel. How'd I do that's a good play. I think Rye had so much steam last week that if just kind of the classic cliche of if you're on him last week and he didn't pan out, like stick with him this week. I think this is even a better fit for him, even though it's a like insanely better field, but he might, might be under I think a good outright pick to be honest. Yeah. And he's super versatile. I think the narrative on him is he's kind of the tough guy course, like almost had it at the farmers, but I think he's way more versatile than people think. Like he can, he can play in birdie fest. He can play in tough tournaments. So I think it's, it's, yeah, it's a good pick. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, all right, Spence, you're back on the clock. So I'm going to go with the player that was number one in that statistic that I just rattled off with Billy Horschel being second. And so the number one player there was Brendan Todd at 9,000. And, you know, if we look at course history, Yes, Victor Hovland going back-to-back is going to be the most impressive thing that you can find. But uh, Todd, 11th, 8th, and 1st in his past three attempts at this course. I'm not a course history person. That's not something that usually will weigh into my model. But, you know, he's 8th from an overall sense. He's ninth for upside. He's 7th for safety. That safety is what's taking into account uh, the course history there. And then when we just look at, like, the numbers uh, across the board. So weighted par 4 scoring, he's 6th. He's 17th when it takes overall birdie or better percentage and overall bogey avoidance, or I guess it would be double bogey or worse avoidance there. Now, Todd is not known as a prolific birdie maker, at least by my model's sense of what it asks of it. But he still ranks 17th when I added both of those two things together. He's fourth for driving accuracy. We know accuracy is always going to be a positive. 
But the biggest takeaway for me is he was 18th for weighted proximity, which is how I reran my data to try to fit this course. And Brendan Todd is not some great iron player. So I think when you say he's a top 20 weighted proximity player for this specific course, that explains why he's finding success here. It's like he's finding fairways. And then on top of it, he's also taking advantage of his irons. And then on top of that, he's making putts. So it's like he's bringing the ultimate triumvirate of those three stats together and putting them into one. And I think that's why, like, we've seen three top 11 finishes from him. I think that that, that totally makes sense. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little disappointed. I was planning to take that. I didn't think he'd go this early. I think I, I thought I was going to be able to sneak him in in my next couple of picks. So disappointed that you stole him, but I think it's a great pick. I, I can definitely support it. I know I'm, I'm getting actually kind of, I came in a little cocky and now I feel like I might have to shave the mustache after this week. <laughs> and I, I'm not joking. Like I felt myself kind of go, Oh no. <laughs> um, so yeah, you guys aren't messing around as usual. Love it. All right, Scott, you are right. on the clock. Back to me. Okay. So still going, I'm going with kind of a uh, Molinari 2.0. Um, I'm going with, uh Svensson who's 7100 but the thing I love about him is a short course he kind of he's gonna totally he's gonna crush it here he has experience here and the thing I noticed with this tournament is I'm also not huge on course history but just as long as you have some history because I think we saw Hovland miss I think he missed Mm -hmm. two cuts back to back and then he won back to back so I think as long as you have played here and you just have a feel for it, um, you know, like the past palm, all that stuff, things you might not be used to. And Svensson, not the best history, but he's got some experience here. And then his proximities are pretty awesome, uh, especially on par fours. Everything from like 175 to 100, I think, is all really good. He's a par three killer. Um, hopefully going to stay low owned, but I think – that's that's just an amazing second pick. I don't know. Yeah, he's sixth in my model for weighted par four proximity. He's 19th in overall weighted proximity. Both of those numbers are well above his expectation on a normal course. And, right. and, and I think, Scott, you bring up a good point there in general. <clears throat> like, this tournament, more than most of them, I, I want to be careful of how I say this, but, like, course history – does somewhat matter here. And it matters to the way that Scott explained it. Past palm greens are different. This slow of a surface is different. It doesn't mean that you need to necessarily, now if you've played it five times and you've missed the cut all five times, right. maybe I would be a little bit more worried based off of that. But if you have some experience, it does take getting used to on it. I think it's a positive, like it, like what has he come? He's come 40, so he missed the cut in 2018 and he right. came 45th in 2021. You know, Maybe it's just a fluke that that's the, like, you know, you got a little bit better there, but if we're going to keep saying that that's going to be what makes you better is playing this course. I think it makes a lot of sense at 7,100. And he was a player that I was considering because I'm going to need a lot of these like low 7,000 high $6,000 golfers. And uh, he was probably one of my favorite options down in that group. (laughs) I love it. Uh, I, I like the pick too. I agree. I think once you, in terms of the guys like under the 74 or 500 range and, and you're looking for value, for me, I agree. Svensson is one of my favorite plays um, in the value side. 
Yeah, he just and he also just passed the eye test. Like I saw him, I went to a couple of tournaments in Cali this year, and just watching him on the range and watching him play, like just his demeanor and the way he goes about it. And he's still a young dude. Just the whole vibe is just you know he's just a pure ball striker. Yeah. The, the putting and around a green is just kind of eh, but man, trust me, man. If if this dude finds anything with the flat stick, this I, I just it's just a no brainer for me. And it's almost kind of shocking he hasn't climbed the ranks the way I hope he will. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think at some point he probably puts it together for a longer duration of time and he gets up further in the world rankings than he has currently. But uh, what do you have for us next, Scott? Oh, that's right. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go up top now and basically go against my whole course history experience narrative. Uh, since he's not spoken for, I'm going with Morikawa. That's 10-6. Yeah. And similar thing, uh, just shown signs. And when he's on, he's on. Uh, obviously, I mean, this is kind of everything, all the stats we're looking at and stuff, it's just, he can do it anywhere on anything, but um, I think, I, I don't know. where Spence, what do you think he'll come in projection-wise at up to 10K? Do you think everyone's going Victor and Wise? or I don't know. I mean, it seems very flat right now between most of these players, and yeah, I, I think the one narrative that's going to catch some steam, and, and I, I say that because I think in general, like, the public is a lot smarter in where they go with their projections now. And I think that mm -hmm. I think you're going to hear a lot that, you know, there's supposed to be rain on this course. And if that means that it's already slow and now it's wet, that really enhances proximity play. Well, who's a better proximity player of anybody in the world than Colin Morikawa? Right. All you need him to do is make some putts. So, I mean, I see 16.7% right now, like in direct correlation to what's next to him. Hovland 17.3, Finau's 18 Aaron Wise is 16.2. I, I think Morikawa probably has the best <clears throat> value of anybody in this range if he's going to be 16%, because I think his win equity is higher than anybody who's not named Scotty Scheffler. Um, so, I mean, like if I didn't go Scheffler with my first pick, I probably would have taken a very similar route that when you did, go to the bottom, get my value, and then go back up and get Morikawa. Yeah, the narrative I'll run with Morikawa, too, to think about is obviously the, the one thing you need to make some putts is putting's been atrocious. But if you want to think of it as like this is a completely different type of surface that we're used to, it's going to be super slow. That probably would should should only help him, right? It should neutralize him to the rest of the field. So if it if it, the putter can be neutralized and he can still, you know, he's going to be an elite ball striker and everything else, this could be a, a good spot for him. Yeah, and you see it like with my two-year baseline number. So he's 88th in putting on just any random course. He's 53rd on these slower courses. 53rd isn't so incredible, but when you have Colin Morikawa's accuracy and his ball striking in general, like that's incredible. If, if you were to tell me Colin Morikawa finishes anywhere near the top 40 or 50 in putting this week, I legitimately think he can win the tournament by just doing that. For sure. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I'm banking on. Yeah. Agreed. All right, Spence, who are you looking at here with your third pick? This might be getting too aggressive with it. I mean, this is a player that has not found much success, and maybe this is right. like – So this golfer has come 80th, which is a miscut, um, 30th in 2020, 72nd in 2019, 68th in 2018. 
I'm just going to say that the recent form that he's bringing is a lot better than any of that. It's a golfer that I always like. I'm going to take Brian Harmon at 8,900. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that's going to allow me to finish out this build. I think I'm in now the $6,000 range for the rest of my golfers. And I haven't exactly tried to build lineups going down into this range. So this might be too aggressive of a route I've taken, but I really like Harmon's par four scoring ability here. I really like his accuracy. I think the putting is good. You know, I don't know exactly what to expect, but it's a very similar thing in a different way than what I said about Molinari. Molinari is a former major winner, so I don't want to make like that direct comparison. But Harmon to me is a golfer with more upside if he's only going to be like six or 7% than some of these players that are priced near him that are going to be double the ownership. Like that's kind of what I'm always looking for. Sure, there's going to be volatility there, but I kind of think Harmon is a top 10 upside play in this tournament. So at 6% ownership, like I'll shoot for the moon on what he can potentially provide versus whatever the floor is and not worry about in that regard. And there's another golfer in the $8,000 range that even provides that more than Brian Harmon. If, if anybody ends up picking him, I'll say who it is. But it's players like that that I'm kind of looking for um, when I build these GPP lineups. Yeah, I think that, that totally makes sense. Um I like, like I always like Brian Harmon. Um, he's, he's kind of one of my, my guys that, that I like to go to. Um, is this a good spot for him? It should be, right? I think that short course type of narrative should suit him. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be strategic because there's a few guys I'm eyeing. So I want to take a guy that would probably be more in the price range where the audience will be taking. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Hayden Buckley. Uh, I like the way his current form is. I think there should be a good course fit for him. And again, I guess the same thing I'm saying here is, as what I said earlier in the show. Here is a guy that I feel like he could have been low to mid eights, and I wouldn't have batted an eye. So I feel like I'm getting a similar value with my mid tier, but I even save a little bit of salary by paying 7,500. And keep in mind with Hayden Buckley, he's not just pup pairing. I mean, he is taking really good recent form. In his last three outings, he's got three top twenties. And he's a guy that's super accurate off the tee. He's going to be really good on approach. We are going to need him to make some putts this week. Uh, and I don't love that his ownership I'm looking at is about 15%, which for him is a little bit high. But he does have that profile that I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I think you could directly compare him to, I mean, I guess Sebastian Munoz. Like you could have flipped those two in price and I could see Hayden Buckley being like 7,900. Yeah, agreed. All right, audience, you are on the clock. I love we already got some nominations in, getting this train started early. Um, see, a Soldier Boy, while is very favorable, not in the tournament, didn't make it the trip out to Mexico. So that nomination is not valid. Please only double the guys that were actually in the tournament, which would be Adam Long and Joel Dahman so far. Uh, Lee Hodges, some good nominations. Um, so we're going to need you guys to come to an agreement. But while we're while the, the audience is getting their nominations and picks in, Scott, what about you? Are you on Hayden Buckley this week? Uh, I think um, – I don't know. I think for me, I, I've overthought it too much, and I think for me I was just trying to get too cute. And I think that might just be a gut feel, but I'm, I'm off Buckley. I'm off Buckley. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. How about you boys? Uh, well, I hope that he makes you regret that decision. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, 
Random question. Best Halloween costume you saw this weekend. Oh, wow. Her uh, favorite or most original. You know, okay. I don't know if I have a great one, to be honest. I, I didn't really see that many costumes. How about you, Spence? Did you see anything that, that stood out? No, I'm trying to like think if I saw anything on Twitter that was original, but uh, nothing that I can think of. What a disappointment. I mean, I guess one guy stopped in my house. He was, uh, he had the Tropics jersey on. That was pretty good. I'll give that Oh, nice. Win. I'll give him the win. That's an underrated feral flick. It is. It's a good, and especially if you're drunk and like playing into the character. It works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It works. Um, all right. It looks like the picks are in. Um, if we are going to, if we're going, okay, if we're, if we're going to make fun of myself and say that Soldier Boy meant you. I'm going to count it. I'm going to count you. It seems questionable. This feels like this could be a decky gate. I'm going to give Here we go. You. You is in. I'm, I'm sticking with it. If you don't like it, you should have been more cohesive as a unit. So you is the first pick. Spence, what do you think about that there? I mean, it's unfortunate. That's probably a name I was considering. Um, there's only so many players in the $6,000 range that I love. And um, he's a golfer at the end of the day where – I think we could look back in four or five months and realize that this is not where he should have been priced. Like only time will tell on that, but he looks really good early in his career on the PGA tour, third at the Bermuda championship, 37th at the Shriners, 19th at the Sanderson. That doesn't sound like a golfer that should be 6,900 in this field. Hmm. I would agree. I think for the price that you're getting, I think he's one of the better value plays on the board. Uh, and the second pick is going to be Joel Dahman. Um, Scott, what do you what do you think about Joel Diamond this week? Uh, I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there. I feel like a lot of people are going to go there, and I think in at his price range, I'm not going to eat that ownership that low. Um, but I mean, he is a this is kind of a perfect fit for him. What is that early ownership number that we're looking at? I see 11.8%, which would make him the 15th highest owned player. I mean, come on, Joel Damon. I mean, I get it. He's great on Twitter, but I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's like a great, great name, but I would agree. It's probably a little too much ownership for this week. So um, I'm probably with you on that one. Um, all right. For me, I'm going to go ahead. I'm glad that this guy lasted to me. I am very happy that I am going to be able to steal Tony Finau. Uh, Tony Finau is, you know, as much upside as anyone in the tournament. Um, at 10-4, I'm okay with that price tag. I certainly think he can run away and win the tournament. I was strategically waiting to take my upper-priced guy because there's a few guys I was fine with falling to me. Uh, but if I'm being honest, I think Tony Finau was my number one guy that I wanted, so it all worked out um, in my favor. Congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> Spencer, you have one of the best deliveries. I love it. It's so good. All right, Spencer, you're on the clock. I feel like this general range that I'm looking at right now. So I'm going to be stuck in, I mean, I guess like the 7,300 to below. Like that's probably what I'm going to have to round out. And unfortunately, a lot of the players that I was considering have already been taken. So 
I'm going to go with the first name that has never really done well for me on this show, but I see 1.8% right now. He's one of the most mispriced golfers to go along with the uh, mispriced ownership portion of my model. I'm going to hope that like for all the reasons why we said that somebody like Morikawa or Scheffler might putt better. And I know this is a different caliber of player. I'm going to take Lucas Glover and trust the ball striking at 6,700 at 1.8%. I have positive trajectory for him for upside. I considered a head-to-head bet with him over Garrick Higo. I, that ended up moving. So that was a minus 120 price that I liked. That moved up to like minus 150 before I could actually release an article on it. So it's not going to be a play that I release, but I like that there's at least money that's coming in on him at this price tag. And, you know, it, it's kind of slim pickings down here. There's other names that I certainly could consider too. Like I'll throw out some players, like like a name like John Hot. He also has upside to him, but... I'm going to go with Glover just because I think he's like actually presented that upside more than a name like John Ha has. I love that. I also love that head to head. I think I'd take Glover on that all day here. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it should have been closer to like minus 150, minus 160. Oh, okay. But, but even, but even still, like you might be able to find it in the space at like minus 135 still. Like that's kind of more of like the range that I would feel most comfortable doing it. Um, at this point, but if you can find that number out there anywhere, like I kind of expect Higo to miss the cut. And anytime I have missed cut equity, that's what I'm always looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he certainly has the price. Definitely. The upside is there. Very volatile pick. Um, so for me, I wasn't on Glover, but I can certainly, he's a guy in the sixth tier range that I do see with him, top 10, 15 potential for sure. All right, Scott, you got back to back here. Who are you looking at? Oof. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going uh, KH Lee. Um, I just think his just kind of trajectory just as a player and at 8,700, um, I think he's worth it. And I'm, I'm, I've totally bought into team international after the president's cup. Um, I think that's like, I think that does, does help and kind of reveal like where your game's actually at. And uh, I think KH Lee's got two wins. Yeah, two wins. I know he gets pegged as like the resort guy. He kind of fits everything I'm looking for. Um, he's, I think he's played here three times, kind of a mixed bag. I think he's got like a top 30, a missed cut, and like a, you know, something in the 50s. Um, and then also I think he got, he, the CJ, I think he got top five, maybe a third. Um, and just an all-around awesome game. And yeah, I love it. And I was kind of surprised. I thought I thought for sure he'd be off the board by now. I like that pick. I, I think that uh, he's definitely an interesting play. 8,700. He's in the same vein with a lot of guys. I would put him in like that same tier as Harmon and Todd. You save a couple bucks by getting him there as well. So I think it's a pretty solid pick. Yeah, I like the pick also. Yeah, All right, right. Scott, who, who are you pairing him with? Uh, what do I got left? Shoot. Eight and then the eights. Jason Day still on the board? <laughs> Stalker. Um, no. Do we still got Munoz? I'm all in on Munoz. Yeah, yeah, he's available. Are. Yeah, Munoz all day. Same thing, same narrative as uh, KH Team International. He can play with the big boys. Um, course fits actually pretty good too. Um, not the longest, but pretty good accurate. He can get crazy hot maybe a first round leader i don't know 
uh, yeah, those are my guys back to back. All right. I like it. I like those picks. I think you're, you've got a nice balanced squad. I like the way the, the look of your team is rounding out there. Uh, both picks. I think even Spencer, you mentioned Munoz earlier in the show. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with the Munoz play and just to throw it out there. I mean, shocker to everybody. I like Jason day this week. <laughs> no way. So take that I'm for whatever. <laughs> I wish I would have taken him. Like I wish there was a way for me to fit him into my lineup somehow. And I mean, I guess I technically couldn't could just not play a six person, but that probably defeats the purpose of the show. What, what, what do you actually like genuinely like about him this week here? Like his TD green has been trending or. Uh, the proximity has been trending like no other, like there's, a lot of metrics when we look at just the current season where he ranks inside the top 10 in specific proximity ranges. I love his total driving, like even through yeah. the bad part of Jason day, he's 27th in my model for total driving geared toward accuracy. So if you're telling me that like, he's better Jason day now. And I kind of saw that even when I watched him in person, like he was out driving Taylor Pendrith with distance. He was more accurate than right. Fowler and Pendrith. Uh, yeah. Not that being more like Fowler was all over the place. Fowler was in the water. He was in bushes. He was kind of like, <laughs> Couldn't hit a fairway with it, but like they looked really solid with it. So if you're telling me that the proximity is now starting the trend with the total driving and, you know, we just really need the putter to at some point get hot. And he's 17th in my model on strokes gain total on slow to average greens. Uh, he's number three in my model. Now this is taking some of like old Jason day two. Uh, he's number three in my model in strokes gain putting on slow to average greens. If he can gain strokes with the putter, I think Jason day can come in the top 10 in this tournament. Like it's the first time in a really long time where he's legitimately a name that looks like he could win this tournament in my model. Mm. Fortunately, I don't have that ticket and that's going to be unfortunate if that goes down that route, but uh, I, I do believe he can win this. I, like, I mean, I, I agree. I totally agree. Unfortunately, Spence, you didn't take them and you're on the clock. So how are you going to make up for that mistake? I guess I'll, so like I said, I really don't like the players in this range that I'm dealing with now. Most of them have been taken from me, but I mentioned John Ha. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm getting too aggressive with this approach. I'll take John Ha at 6,700 and try to figure out a way to round this out. So current form is not great. I mean, there's nothing better than a 45th in his last like six or seven tournaments, but uh, three top 25 finishes here in four attempts. The weighted proximity looks good. Like that's always something that's at least marginal, The driving accuracy is 22nd for me. I think there's a lot of volatility. I think that's the negative part of him, but I also think he has more top, you know, if you want to call it 25 equity than most of these players in the $6,000 range. So I'll just once again, bet on the upside with him. And when I don't really love anybody priced around him, like I'll go with that with him and Glover and kind of just try to figure it out. All right. All right. Um, Due to time constrictions, I'm going to keep this train moving. I'm going to go with my next pick. I'm going to take Justin Lower. Uh, this is a guy in this mid-7K range who's red hot with the putter. I mean, he's been just making putts for months in a row. Uh, his off-the-tee game is solid. Um, his approach game is good enough, right? And I'm just looking at his recent form. Uh, an eighth at the Butterfield, 20th at the 40. 45th at Sanderson Farms, 4th at the 4th in it. I mean, he's really been competing every week for the last, since July. Uh, I'm just going to carry that form into a, what is a weaker tournament? Again, if you make some more putts this week and keep that putter alive, I think he should certainly compete. Sure. I don't have a problem with that. 
All right, audience, you are on the clock. Uh, you got two more to go. I want you guys to get your nominations in quickly while you're doing so and, and, and working through that. I'll talk back to you, Scott. Any thoughts on either of the John Hub picks or Justin Lower? Uh, I like the Hub pick, actually. I think um, – let me pull up. He had some stats that were sticking out to me. Um, Spence, feel free to help me out here with this. I mean, I would like to me, what stuck out the most was the weighted proximity. He's fifth, he's fourth in weighted par four proximity. Uh, he's also 10th in that category that I didn't officially run, which was the accuracy putting plus short iron proximity. Like, that's encouraging for me on a six thousand dollar golfer that isn't like so exponentially owned compared to everybody else. Four percent is fine. Yeah, I think the the thing that stuck out to me for him was his recent form's been pretty bad, but he does he's got like he's kind of a top twenty guy here for some reason. Yeah, yeah. and at sixty seven, that's kind of I'd be interested to see how his ownership goes towards the end of the week. But yeah, proximity is insane. Yeah, good call. Yeah, and don't don't forget to, to check us out on Wednesday, Stephen. Uh, Sicily Kid puts out an ownership article, which is one of the more accurate in the business. So you can check that out. Get an update on ownership before you lock your lineups in Wednesday night. Uh, it does look like the first pick in, in it's going to be Russell Knox, and the second pick is going to be Henley. Can they afford that? Ooh. I believe so. Let's just make sure. Yes, they can. So overall, uh, solid finish. I like the audience's team. Um, I think you guys did a good job balancing it out. My honest opinion, though, is I like that team in a small tournament or cash more so than a GPP lineup overall. How about you, Spence? Well, first of all, Russell Henley was the guy that I was mentioning in the $8,000 range when I was talking about Brian. Oh, Arden. yeah, yeah. That, that's like the boomer bust potential that comes into play with Henley. He's fifth in my model for upside. He's 34th for safety. I don't love that he's 12.7%. I feel like we play this game with Russell Henley every single week where he's super popular. He burns the industry and then we go back to it. But right. my model likes him, so I'm not going to talk anybody out of it. Like I'm taking the same trap. I have outright tickets on him. I tried to find matchups with him even with all that volatility. So I don't yeah. have a problem with it, but it, it's very volatile. Like just know what you're getting in for when you play him. And then uh, Russell Knox was a value for me at, I think 7,100 is actually a really cheap price for him. I agree. I agree. I think he's a really good value play here this week. Um, all right. I am between two guys here with my last pick. Uh, and it's a really tight race. Since I'm not picking again, I'm going to have to name both guys. The two guys I'm thinking about, are Adam Long and Sepp Straka. Um, the big difference is Adam Long's course history, I obviously love. I mean, Adam Long's last three tries here are second, third, and 22nd. So there's something about this course that he really likes. And then Sepp Straka seems to just be a really good course fit. I mean, he's going to find a lot of fairways, go with the driver, he can make putts. There's not a lot, really a lot of holes in Straka's game. Uh, and obviously Strucker's a very boomer bust play, right? When, when Strucker's on in a week, we've seen him the ability to go up and, you know, get first or second in the tournament. And then he can, you know, also, you know, get 45th or miss a cut or something like that. So um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to just trust the history. I'm going to take Adam Wong. Um, I just like the way he's performed here at this course. His form has been in good shape. 
7,400, it's, it's a good price. I'm going to give me another one of those top five results like he's done two of the last three times he struck. All right, Spence, how are you rounding out the squad? All right, so for me, it came down to a couple options that I was considering. Um, I'll name everybody also. So JJ Spawn at 7,300, uh, Chris Kirk at 7,200, yeah. and then Russell Knox would have been in consideration for me. I don't know which route I want to go with it. Like my model likes Chris Kirk more. I feel like he burns me every single time I take him though. I never, and I never play JJ spawn. Like I can't tell you the last time I actually considered putting him into a lineup, but you know what? I'll, I'll go different this week. I'll take JJ spawn at 7,300. Like maybe I've missed the window with him to where like he's on the wrong side now of the form that he's been bringing to the table. 58th at the CJ cup is kind of going in the wrong direction there, but I don't know. I mean, at 7,300, if he can give me a top 30 finish, I like, I guess it comes down to with like all the volatility that I have currently with Huh and Glover and even Harmon to an extent. I don't know if adding Chris Kirk's volatility makes a lot of sense for this lineup. Like all of a sudden it could turn into a two, a six or a three, a six, which is what you you're fine. I mean, by going that route with it, but like when it's not a vast difference between some of these players, like I guess I'll go with the safer route with Spawn since my model did like him. I think that makes sense. And, and I like Spawn as well. Uh, how about you, Scott? Man, I missed out on one pick by, it looks like a couple hundred. Norin was, I have a feeling about Norin this week. Um, who else was I eyeing? Davis Riley, just, just for why not? And then uh, Chris Kirk, too. But I think I'm going to get even funkier and go uh, potty, moddy, lad. Um, just a tee to green stud. And he's at, I think, seven, 7,000. Um, tee to green, always been great. Just made a career out of that. Uh, the putter is bad. But slower greens, I think, is going to help him a ton. And similar to kind of a lot of the players I went with, slower greens are an advantage for them. And if the slower the greens help them in any way, and it kind of does bump up their putting stats a little bit to even make them a middle of the road putter in this field. Like I, I kind of like it this week. So I'll go with party Marty as Byron says. Yeah. Uh, I guess add Martin layered to the mix of players that I should have been considering. Also, he's a positive value in every single way that I ran the model. And as Scott said, uh, 106th in putting, that's not great. He's 77th yeah. on these slower surfaces. So at least you're seeing an improvement. Like anytime that you have quality ball strikers, give me at least a surface that they put a little bit better on, whether yeah, exactly. it's because yeah. of the surface or the speed. So I, I think like Layered is a very intriguing GPP play at less than 2%. Yeah. There you have it. I love it. Great draft all around. Uh, don't forget to give us a follow. Hit the like button. It goes a long way. We're going to be tuning back in. This is actually going to be the first week Scott has lost on the draft cast, so that'll be fun. To oh, no, 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 no. This is going to get <laughs> this is Sam. This will be Sam Elliott next time I'm on the show. <laughs> well, I, Scott has agreed that if he loses, he's not only shaving his beard, but his entire head live on stream. So, Joel, really, that was not – no. Uh, that wasn't part of the agreement. <laughs> anyway, do give us a follow. Follow Scott. Scott is also a great follow. Dropped yes, a lot please. of great content. Uh, hit the like button. We're going to report back. We'll see how we did. Let us know what team you think is going to win this week.
But we're not done yet. We still have our first round leaders and our outright tickets to go through today. Um, we're going to start off in the outright market. Scott, you know, we'll start with Spencer. Spencer, you have anyone in the outright market you're looking at? So as I kind of alluded to, my model really likes Scotty Shuffler to win this tournament. I'm not going to bet him at nine to one with some of the question marks. Um, and I think you add that to the fact that the top six names on my sheet are all under 20 to one in odds. I kind of don't want a ton of exposure to this card. I think someone like Morikawa probably has the best value. I think he should have been 16 to one. So if you can find an 18, the one out there, that might be a route that I end up going before this week is done. But I ended up taking three, I guess if you want to call it mid-tier options, maybe they're a little bit lower than that, but Brian Harmon, 40 to one, Russell Henley, 50 to one, and Brendan Todd, 50 to one. But I just don't want a ton of exposure to this event because I do think one of the big names ends up winning. And I can't figure out which one it is, is the problem. Like my model thinks it's Scheffler. And when it thinks it's the nine, the one guy, like I kind of run into like this dilemma where it's better off not to play it. I think that makes sense. I, I totally get that. How about you, Scott? Who are you looking at in the outright market? Yeah, kind of similar. Small card, but my book in Cali is kind of tough. Um, but uh, I, this is kind of weird. Usually a lot of my outright picks aren't really in my player pools for GPPs, but um, I went with uh, Norin, KH, Molinari, and Svensson. I think this week it's more, I couldn't, couldn't pull the trigger on all the ones at the top at those odds. And I'm similar. I think like this is kind of a, almost a bounce back for Scotty with kind of losing number one and just sort of like coming down really from an historic year. Um, but I just couldn't hit those odds. So I'm kind of going for long shots this week just to kind of sprinkle some. I also think this is a good week. If you, if you are betting outrights to maybe wait till Saturday, see what the leaderboard looks like and put some maybe yeah, outrights in. Call. You know, if someone's maybe five or six back on Saturday, they can maybe make a run and, and punch that ticket then. Uh, for me, I have one really deep long shot that I like uh, at 200 to one. I'll take a shot on Ryan Armour. Um, you know, I think he's a good course fit. You know, yeah. to win the tournament, it, obviously it's a long shot. That's why it's 200 to one. But that's just a really big number on a guy that after the maybe the first 10 to maybe 12 guys, it, a lot of these guys are pretty similar. There's not going to be a huge gap. So, if he gets hot one day and really goes really low, I think he can he can do something special. But then in terms of um, guys who, who are my more realistic plays to win, uh, I like Straka at eighty to one. Um, I like Todd at forty five to one. But I really do like uh, my first pick, Tom Hoagie, at, at thirty to one this week. All right, we're not done yet. We still have the first round leader market where we have been red. Hot. Spence, we'll start with you. Who are you looking at in the first round leader market this week? So I have four this week. I took Scotty Scheffler 20 to one. That's at pretty much any book. Russell Henley 55 to one on FanDuel. Brian Harmon 60 to one on FanDuel. And Brendan Todd 55 to one on Bet365. So it's very similar to my outright card and throw Scotty Scheffler in there if I my model likes it the way that it does. And I, I saw David mention this in the chat. And I think it's a really good point that he brought up. When you look at this tournament, like the bookmakers in general are trying to shade people away from betting the top of the board. Like when they do that, I mean, to me, it means that they think that they're going to win the tournament, the top of the board, and they're trying to give you prices down beneath. So if you do have somebody lower that you like, or your model likes or whatever the answer is, maybe you can take some chances on it because you are getting up. 
I mean, it's tough to say it's inflated prices when like the whole percentage I see right now is 151.5%. Like for anybody that doesn't like follow those numbers weekly, that's about as bad as you can get. That means they're holding an extra 51.5% uh, over a standard 100%. Like anything that's above 145 usually grades like red in my spreadsheet. So like, it's like bright red this week. So it's not mm. the best outright betting board for that reason. I think they just shaded the top of the board so in the other direction to try to prevent people from playing it that you now all of a sudden have all these prices that are not very good. That was some insane knowledge right there. That was, yeah, I feel like I just learned a lot. <laughs> no it wonder makes, you guys are crushing first round leads. It makes sense. And, and it actually makes kind of picking one this week even more challenging because of that. But, yeah. um, but how about you, Scott? Who are you looking at in the first round lead market? I'm just, I mean, really, I'm just going to tail you guys. That's the move. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, I would go, I haven't, I haven't put anything down yet, but I'd say like, how about Straka? I'll do that. I'll pick Straka just for the fun of it. I like it. I like, you know me. I love Straka. I mentioned him a few times already on the show. I think that's a solid play. And I'm with Spencer. I think after what Spencer told us, right, you don't want to, I don't want to be a sucker and take the bait and dip too low this week on one of these super long shots that probably aren't going to hit. So for my first round leaders, um, I do have a handful of guys. My first one, I'm going to take Harris English at 60 to one. I think he's yeah. he might be able to come out hot, maybe have a good first day. I think that 60 numbers is really good for a guy of his talent. If he can put a hot day together. Um, I like Adam Hadwin at 55 to one. Uh, Brendan Todd at 40 to one, but my, my number one play, my hammer of the week, the guy I'm really going in on, again, my first pick, Tom Hoagie, at 35-1. to 1. You know, Tom Hoagie was a guy for a long time who was typically just a first-round leader guy that we'd like to go to. He usually popped in first rounds. He's been playing well all around beyond the first round recently, but maybe this is the spot he pops again. Uh, don't forget to sign up for Win Daily. It's only $5.99 a week. If you do, you get access to our Discord, where you can also get Sia Najad's first-round leader place, who has been in Fuego hitting almost every week. He will drop them in Discord before the tournament starts. You can log in there, get his picks along with David, Steven, the rest of the team. Um, you want to check the weather before the tournament starts. If there is a weather edge, we will update you there as well. That is a wrap for this week. Uh, Scott, really appreciate you coming on and joining us. Um, you've been a huge, huge, huge guest for the show. We super appreciate you. Your knowledge is uh, has been so popular, <laughs> but unfortunately, this will be the last time that you beat us in a draft. Oh, Joel, I'm <laughs> defeated on my appearances, so let's, let's slow that down a bit. But no, I'm super, super. I, you know, you guys are awesome and so good to me, and I really appreciate it. And you guys do great stuff, so thank you for even having me. Oh, we, we were excited to have you back on again so we can uh, get vengeance. On yes. Doing the draft cast. Spencer, thanks again for joining. I know you're sick and under the weather. We appreciate you fighting through the flu game. Um, sports. Good luck this week, everyone. <laughs>